Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Are you growing? Wider, maybe. Taller, maybe not. Shrinking. Are you growing? What are you growing? We began this year, didn't we, focused on the rooted image of being rooted in Christ, being rooted in the church, and being rooted in community. And uh, as Sim said last week, we began uh, You Are What You Grow, our teaching series on the fruitless spirit. And Sim opened up uh, last week on love. And as he said, today, this week, number two is joy. And here we find the description of joy in Galatians 5, uh, which we've read, and some of it is in the intro video there. And there they are, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, thinking back over this week, um, just in, in your minds, think about how much joy have you had this week? How much of your week has been joyful? And if we were to put a joyous scale on the screen, ta-da, where would you put yourself this week in the scale of joy? If you're anything like me, I've been a bit of grumpy gills this week. But what, what, what has this week been for you? Have you been full of joy of the Lord? I wonder if anyone has seen the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out. Anyone seen that? Um, it's a great movie. Uh, it's, a, it's basically about a, a young girl called Riley, uh, and she turns 11 years old. What an age. And uh, at that point, she moves house. She moves to a new school. And the story revolves around how her emotions deal with the changes. Her emotions are um, anger, disgust, joy. Um, what's that one? Nervous? What is it? Fear, thank you. Fear and sadness. And those are emotions. But take a look at the screen just to watch a little snippet. Ever wonder why you feel the way you do? Well, get to know your emotions. When everything in your life is going your way, that's when joy takes control. This is joy. With an unstoppable spirit and unbeatable energy, joy brings a smile to your face and, oh, who cares? Let's party! Get to know all your emotions with Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Joy! Does anyone know anyone like that? (laughs) You guys are so mean. Joy's goal, her whole goal, is to make sure that Riley is happy. That's what she's all about. And she's, um, she's light-hearted, she's optimistic, she's determined to find the fun in every situation. And she sees challenges in Riley's life as opportunities. Anyone like that? You find the challenges, as, this, is, this isn't a challenge, this is an opportunity. Joy is very much like that. And she, um, you know, the less happy moments she sees as uh, just hiccups along the way to to something again becoming so great. As long as Riley is happy, so is joy. As long as Riley is happy, so is joy. And it begs the question, I mean, is joy like this? Is this what joy is? What is it? 
Is joy the optimism? Is it the, oh, let's see challenges as opportunities? Is it uh, being a person that's positive and that it's the kind of, the glass is always half full kind of stuff? Is, is, is that what joy is? But before we determine what joy is, what I'd love to do first is to establish what it isn't. What joy isn't. And joy, many would agree that it isn't happiness. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion that is caused by positive circumstances. It's founded upon things going well and is dependent upon successful outcomes. That is Happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. If this happens, I will be happy. If this doesn't happen, then I will be upset. Happiness is always passing through, isn't it? It's a, uh, it's, it can claim your full attention for just the 10 seconds it takes to swallow that really good cup of coffee that gives you happiness. Or tea, in my case. I don't like coffee. Anyone with me who doesn't like coffee? Yes, there are some of us. Good. And happiness arrives on the scene, doesn't it, when uh, someone wins the lottery. But how long does that happiness last? Some say not very long. Happiness uh, fills the city when Southampton win a game. But how long will that last? <laughs> we shall see this afternoon. <laughs> Happiness comes and goes. Happiness comes and it goes. Happiness comes and it goes. According to the situation that we find ourselves in. Praise you, Jesus. Everything is going so well. Thank you for my blessings. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for everything going well. Oh, uh, a storm has just arrived. Happiness disappears. Oh, but it's okay. I'll praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Everything's going well. My car hasn't broken down yet. My job is great. My friends, my family. Thank you, Jesus. Everything is going so well. Thank you. Ah, a storm comes. The rubber hits the road and something happens and happiness dissolves. Happiness is not the answer to a fulfilling life, is it? And I guess that's because... It's so dependent on the world and its contents. And we know that the world isn't as trustworthy as it says it is and the contents within it. So happiness is not joy. Joy is not happiness. But thankfully, praise God, that there is something greater than happiness, isn't it? There is that something that is not like happiness, but it's something greater than happiness. And of course, that is joy. Joy is greater than happiness. And when things go wrong, when your plans you thought were really good fail, when uh, success fails, when death peers around the corner, sickness appears, when depression comes your way and temptation is uh, given to you freely... Heartache comes crashing. Happiness isn't going to cut it. It's not going to help you. When those things happen, happiness is not the answer. But what is going to cut it is joy, is the joy of the Lord. Because what joy is, is this. I've worked 
so many flipping hours to try and find a definition that's legit for joy. And it's so hard, so much harder than you think. But here's what I've, I've tried to gather together. So joy is an emotion that is given to us by the Holy Spirit as he reminds us of God's greatness. So first of all, joy is an emotion. Some may disagree, some may agree. Joy is an emotion. It's a feeling, isn't it? We feel joy. It's something that settles in our hearts and it's a feeling that we feel. It's not an action, but we can express joy through actions. We may be full of joy and worship and then we give and then we serve and it's an expression of joy. And so joy is a feeling. It's a deep sense of wholeness. It's a deep sense of contentment and satisfaction. It is an emotion, but it's not just any emotion. It's an emotion that overrides other emotions. Therefore, when a disaster comes your way, you may feel grief and you may mourn, but joy overrides that. And so we can still feel those emotions, but joy overrides them. And we can still have a heart of grief, but at the same time, still have joy. So first, joy is an emotion. Second, it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. It is not man-made, thank the Lord. Is anyone happy that it's not man-made? Because I'm happy about that. It's not, it's not provided by us, by our mind. It's, it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you are what you grow. It's all about the fruit of the Spirit, right? This, this fruit isn't just uh, things that we can opt in and out of. Right? It, the fruit of the Spirit comes with the Holy Spirit. And when you believe in Jesus, when you say, Jesus, uh, I believe that you are my Lord and Saviour, I'm committing my life to you, then you instantly receive the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. Everyone just hold, hold your hand on your heart. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Say it to someone else. The Spirit lives in me. The Spirit lives in me. And so when the Spirit is in us, everything that's the Spirit is, everything the Spirit is, is in us. And so the fruit of the Spirit is, in us, is, is given to us and we have access to it. It's, it's a command, isn't it? Um, Paul talks a lot in his letters. He commands it. Rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Be joyful. It's a command. Sometimes we see it as not as serious as other commands. You know the command that says, do not kill? You know, we don't go, oh, I'll give that a go. Don't kill, right? And Paul says rejoice. It's a command. And we're able to do that because it is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, a, it's supernatural, right? Joy is, is so much deeper, and that is because it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, someone rang me this week and um, just had a thought about uh, joy uh, and and said something about the, um, the upside-down kingdom, right? The, the world says, so the kingdom world says that you receive joy, you have to do something for it, right? Happiness. You, you do something to be happy, to be joyful. But the upside-down kingdom is the kingdom that God uh, reigns in, and he says, I will give you joy. So we don't have to, we don't have to do anything to, to get it. We, we have it already. We have joy because the Holy Spirit gives us it. 
In Romans 15, 13, Paul says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the upside down kingdom where you already have access to joy. When we surrender to the spirit, he is the one that opens our eyes and is then able to feel joy. So number one, joy is an emotion. Number two, it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And three, well, it's given to us from the Holy Spirit as he reminds us of God's greatness. Because what the Spirit does is he's the one who gives it to us, right? He's the one who gives us joy by revealing to us the truth of God. That's how it happens. When he reveals to us, when he reminds us of God's greatness, that is when we feel joy. When we revealed that God is powerful, that he's mighty to save. When he reveals again and reminds us that he holds the whole world in his hands. That he's the God who split the sea, that tore down the walls of Jericho. This God in whom we serve is the one who gave the ability to an army of 300 to win the battle against tens of thousands. This is our God in whom we serve. And so when we remember the truth about God and the greatness of him, that is when we go, wow, that is my God. And I can have joy in that. Because God is who he says he is. When we remember God's power and victory, joy comes in the morning. When we're reminded of the greatness of God, when he splits the sea, joy is an overflowing. It comes in abundance. When we're reminded by the Spirit of his love and his grace, of our beautiful, wonderful saviour, we can have joy. When we're reminded by the Spirit that our loving God still works in this broken world in which we live in, we can have joy. Joy is an emotion that is given to us by the Spirit as he reminds us of God's greatness. And I believe that joy is very much linked with uh, perspective. If I love perspective, anyone a drawer here? I like drawing. No one. No, <laughs> that's a shame. Oh, there is someone great. But perspective is it's an artistic saying, isn't it? Perspective. But perspective is the way in which we see. We see in perspective when we step back and take a look at the bigger picture. Seeing in perspective is uh, seeing the situation, the circumstance, and the reality of what it is. In the light of what it really is. And for us to have joy, I, I firmly believe that we have to have perspective. And I tell you for why, because it, it's, it's to do with how we see, it's to do with how we uh, look at things and, uh, and understand things. Perspective is so essential. Turn with me to Luke 10, if you've got your Bibles, uh, Luke 10. I've got one, anyone want to borrow mine? No, uh, it's on the screen. Uh, so Luke chapter 10 from verse 38. And it's, it's where we read of two sisters. And when you think of sisters, uh, sometimes things come into your mind. I love my sister. But also there's a bit of rivalry. Just me. Uh, it's a bit of competitiveness, maybe. But as we read the story of these two sisters, uh, think about where perspective and joy uh, sit. So here we go. Um, this is Luke chapter 10. 
As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. I wonder how he said that. Do you ever wonder that? Is it Martha, Martha, come on now. Or is it Martha, Martha? The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha's eyes were so fixed on the problem, she didn't have perspective about what was going on. Her eyes were so fixed on the task that needed, in inverted commas, to be done, whereas Mary's eyes, where was hers? Fixed on Jesus. Her eyes were fixed on the Saviour. Mary might have still been aware of the problem, right? She might have still been hungry. I'm sure she was. But she had perspective and said, I'm going to sit here at Jesus' feet. He's the great teacher, right? He held authority. She had heard stories about how he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. She had heard the story where he healed the sick. This is the Jesus that raised the girl from the dead that calmed the storm with his words. In the house was the Jesus, the Jesus, this Jesus that everyone had been talking about and following around. Mary, uh, Martha, what are you doing in the kitchen? Come and sit at his feet. This is the Jesus. She had perspective about what was going on. This is Jesus. What are you doing in the kitchen? Come out. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Mary had perspective. And you could argue that Martha did not. She was focused on the problem at hand. She allowed herself to be distracted about the things that needed to be done. And instead she was anxious and worried and she was really stressed out probably. Jesus, why? Go and tell her to come join me, will you? She's not helping me. She was stressed out. Her eyes were fixed on what was wrong. And I guess the the worldly, uh, um, the word escapes me, Uh, the worldly something or other. Um, Let's move on from that. She was concentrating heavily on what needed to be done. The situation, right? The circumstance of what was going on. But joy is so different from that, isn't it? Joy is so different. It it takes our eyes off the problem and onto the solution. And who? What is the solution? Who is the solution? It's Jesus. If in doubt, the answer is probably Jesus. It's Jesus. Perspective takes our eyes off the problem and onto the solution. Joy is a feeling of gladness, isn't it? Of, of God's goodness. When your car breaks down, have perspective. God is good. Yes, it's important. But you can still have joy because God is good. When you lose your job, remember God's goodness. You can still have joy when things fall apart. Where there's death, 
remember God's goodness. There's something greater going on. Where there's addiction seeming too hard to break, remember God's goodness. You can still have joy. Where there's anxiety, don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the fear, but instead fix your eyes on the solution. And Paul, when speaking to the church in Philippi in chapter 1, he sheds a little bit of light on perspective and joy. So here it is. This is what Paul says. For I fully accept and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. What, Paul? What are you saying? But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive. So I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Jesus Christ because of what he's doing through me. There are three dimensions of salvation. Three dimensions of salvation. Number one is immediate. There is immediate salvation. When you say, I believe in Jesus, I call on the name of you, you are saved. And you have eternity coming. You are saved. It's immediate. The second dimension of salvation is continual. We are continuing to be saved through the transformation of the renewing of our minds. We are always growing. We are always developing. We are always improving on things. Do do we know that? It's good. Because if we think we have nothing to learn, then we've got a really big problem. It's continual. There's salvation that's continual. Number three is final. And that's the day when we see Jesus face to face. It's going to be so good. Isn't it? Oh, I'm so excited to see Jesus face to face, that final day where we're saved and we live in eternity forever. There are three dimensions of salvation and there they are. And Paul's perspective on salvation looks like this. If I die, I'm saved. If I live, I get to continue being saved and living for Jesus. Either one, I'm pretty good. Do you think we have that same attitude? Perspective, isn't it? And joy of knowing what's coming, knowing what's going on and what's been before. To have perspective is so essential, and it's to do with something I mentioned earlier, that joy is uh, eternal. It's not uh, a time-bound thing. It is timeless. It's eternal because it's of God. When we don't have joy, we can easily sway from one mood to the other, right? Anyone like a pendulum? Ah, I'm having a really good day. I'm really happy. Oh, man, something went wrong. I'm really sad. (laughs) I'm crying. Oh, I'm so happy, right? Anyone know those people? Don't look to the person next to you. Okay. There's there's mood swings, right? But joy is eternal. So there's no mood swings about it. Joy is constant. It's something that we can trust in because it's from and of God. Joy can be the constant in our lives because of our perspective of reality, of the truth of God and what he's done in his greatness. And when the Holy Spirit reveals to us the greatness of God, we do have that perspective on the situations that we're in. The job, the car, the house, the kids, the spouse, the bank balance, 
all of which are really important and real, but nothing beats joy. And you can still have joy in amongst those things. Perspective is so significant in growing in the joy of the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, how on earth do I grow in joy of the Lord? How do I get that right perspective? How do I realign my perspective so that I can grow in joy? And I think the answer to that question is about the actions of Mary in the story we read earlier. Because what does she do? In Luke 10, 39, she said, uh, it says this, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. You know, the best way to get better at something is to get around those people who are really good at it. Have you noticed that? What better place to be than in the presence of the person who is giving it to us? Joy. Joy, God is the God of joy. And to grow better in perspective in order to grow in joy, it's it's best that we sit at the feet of Jesus and spend time in his presence because he is the one who gives it to us. How often do we reckon that we, we sit in the presence of Jesus? I know I'm just such a loser at this. I want to sit in the presence of Jesus so much more than I do now because that's where the goodness is, because he's good. I want to be joyful. I want to be in the presence of the one who gives joy, who is joy. To sit in the presence of the one who has joy and gives joy is going to be clearly very helpful for us, isn't it? A character many associate with joy in the Bible is the famous giant slayer. Everyone know who he is? David, thank you very much. David, he danced before the Lord. Anyone like dancing? <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, right? and dancing? I'm not going to dance for you. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Right? But David danced before the Lord. He was joyful. He praised God in all circumstances. He had the joy of the Lord. And he wrote songs, didn't he, and psalms, and we can read them in the middle of the Bible if you open it. The Middle-ish, that's where Psalms is. And in Psalm 27, verse 4, he says, One thing I ask from the Lord is only do I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy place. In another song poem that David wrote in Psalm 1611, he writes about God. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. David wanted to spend so much time in the presence of God because he got it. Because when you spend time with the one who has joy, you will become joyful. He did that so well, didn't he? The answer is nowhere else. There is no other answer. No one else can do this for us. That is why Jesus is so flipping good. He gives it to us. He's the only one who can give it to us. He's the only one that can transform us into being more joyful people. And so sitting, being, and spending time in the presence of Jesus, we will become more like him. I want to do that. Anyone else? I want to become more like Jesus. Because I know how good he is. I know that when I'm in his presence, I'll become more like him. And I like that. 
at Freedom Youth on Thursday. We love our young people, they're brilliant. And uh, we did a really significant yet uh, very silly thing to do. But we thought about um, the, the real truth of what superhero we would like to be, which is very, very biblical. And... Um, and we talked about the, the superpowers uh, that we would want. We sometimes dream about that. And, uh, and flying. Uh, anyone else want to fly? I'd love to fly. I'm going skydiving on Friday. What? I'm going to fly. It's going to be so good. Oh, I'm so excited. Right? And, but we talked about flying. Flying was really high up there as a superpower with love. Um, teleportation was another one that came up. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, it's, oh, reading people's minds. We have some weird young people. Uh, <laughs> they want to read people's minds as well. But after we talked about all that and superheroes and whatever, it was linked to prayer somehow. Um, but we, after, after thinking about those, we, there was this beautiful moment where one of our young people said, actually, I think I've changed my mind. Because I think the power I'd really love to have is to be able to go back to the time of Jesus to see all that he did. <sighs> I'm doing something right. Wow. And we, we all paused for a moment and looked at each other and said, that would be amazing. That would be awesome to be in the presence of Jesus. And of course we know that he's not living down the street as a physical being. But we know that we do have the presence of Jesus with us, in us, which is his Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been experiencing joy... I think the truth is, is that it's not that it's not been available for us. It's not that it's, not, it's been impossible to have it, but instead we've either been oblivious to the truth that we have access to it, or we've chosen not to have it by not being productive in growing in it. And I think that's the truth of our situation here. If we don't have joy... It's either one of those things. Well, the first one's cancelled out now because you're not oblivious to it, because you've talked about it today. But are we choosing to pursue joy? Because if you're saying, I really want more joy, I want more joy, I really want more joy, then you do have to do something about it. It's not just an emotion that we can flick on, is it? It's, it's something that we do choose. We choose to pursue and it's, it's easy, isn't it? It's so easy to complain and to grumble. Anyone know those people? Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to complain and to grumble and to just wallow in our own self-pity. It's kind of fun sometimes. I like to do it sometimes. Sometimes I'm at home, I'm like, oh, poor me. It's fun. It's selfish. That's why it's fun. But joy's hard work. If it was easy, everyone would be joyful, right? It's easy to complain, which is why Paul uses it as a command. Rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Easier said than done. But it's a command, so we must work on it. And you know, joy throughout the Bible is actually a signal for who is a Christian. Can you believe that? It's a signal. If, if you want to find Jesus followers, go and find the people that are smiling. Could you imagine if people identified us as Freedom Church as the joyful people. Because people want joy, don't they? They want to feel joy. And praise God that we have it. We have access to it. 
And so this morning, I guess what we want to leave you with is, you know, if you want more joy, then ask and pursue. If you don't want it, then you don't have to do anything. It's your choice. I'm not telling you to do anything, but I'm encouraging you to. If you want more joy, ask and pursue. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.